In 2017, a new version uh, of the messaging app, WhatsApp, appeared online. And within a short space of time, uh, it was downloaded uh, on one million mobile phones. The only problem, of course, is that the app was fake, right? Uh, It was a dangerous app that was created by someone uh, to download software from people's mobiles. Uh, or to download it on people's mobile, so that perhaps to steal their money or other things, right? Uh, the developer, you see, had cleverly cloned the original WhatsApp with all its features, and the bits that they couldn't exactly copy, well, they were very difficult for ordinary users like you and me to detect. As I think about that incident of the fake WhatsApp and the damage it caused, uh, the incident reminds me just how easy it is for us to be misled uh, when we do not carefully investigate the things we believe or are involved in. Now, sometimes, of course, we make mistakes, don't we? Um, like that. And those mistakes that we make, they are they're, they're just basic things. You know, you download something on the mobile and, you know, right, you shouldn't have it and perhaps you get away with it. There's really nothing life-threatening about it. We just find out it's a mistake and we learn from it and we move on, don't we? But there are some things in life that we cannot afford to get wrong. And last Sunday, we started looking at the most important thing that we cannot afford to get wrong in life. Knowing whether we are true Christians or not. We cannot afford to get that wrong. Our eternity depends on it. It's a life and death matter. And we need to get right. We need to be sure we are true believers. And if we are already true believers, just knowing that and having that growing in confidence in that, well, it transforms how we live, isn't it? It changes us in the here and now. So we need to be sure what the Bible teaches about the marks of a true Christian. What sets a true Christian apart from a non-Christian? Now we are asking this question because, as I said, we are studying Colossians chapter 1, verse 3 to verse 6. And in these verses, Paul explains why he believes the Colossians are true Christians. And Paul there mentions three things, doesn't he? That we looked at, we started looking at last week. He's thanking God for the Colossians because what? They have love. We looked at that. We looked where? They have, first of all, faith in Christ. We looked at that last Sunday morning. And they have love for others. Agape. We looked at that last Sunday evening. And the third thing is hope in Christ. Hope. So let's look at this third mark, hope, in verse 3 to verse 5. I'll just read those verses again. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. When we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, first mark, and of the love, the second mark, that you have for all the saints because of the third mark, the hope laid out for you in heaven. Of this you are there before in the word of the truth, the gospel. I think we can summarize what Paul is teaching us here about hope in one simple sentence. And it is this. True Christians have a guaranteed hope in Christ that changes how we live. True Christians have a 
guaranteed hope. Our hope is guaranteed. It is in Christ and it changes how we live. And that's just the truth I just want to unpack for us this morning. One of the standard marks here, as I said, the Colossians have is what they have a sure hope in Christ. That's what verse 5 says. Of this, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Now, in my dictionary at home, there are basically two meanings of this word hope. One of the meanings, the first meaning, is that hope is a desire or feeling for something to happen. And I think this is how we normally use the word. I hope I have enough money to go on holiday. I hope I'll be able to solve my child's problems. I hope the weather won't cancel my weekend. I hope we are now done with COVID. I hope to become a better person in 2022. Now, you laugh when I said about COVID, of course, because hope, it last to start the you're using it, it is an uncertain desire, isn't it? It's just wishing. It may be based on our feelings, or it may be based on rational analysis, but the point is the same. This usage of hope is not guaranteed. Right? This is a type of hope we can lose. We even say, don't we, I have lost all hope that we'll win the league this year, right? We say the hope is fading, right? This is hope that is fragile. That's one type of hope. The one based on feelings and desires for something to happen. There's a second type of hope in the dictionary, and it means to trust or have confidence in something. Now, this is a bit more than wishful thinking, right? It is a strong confidence, we might say. And when we think about this second type of hope, I think it's a little closer to what the Apostle Paul has in mind here when he's talking about hope. Because it is hope based on a strong confidence. But I say it's a little closer because it's not quite still the same. It's still far off from what Paul has in mind because this second hope may be based on rational analysis, it may be based on strong confidence. The problem with it is that it is still about us and our assessment of things. It's still a human hope. Of course it is. That's why it's in the dictionary. And so it's still a fragile hope to a degree. Even that second hope. Because you see, no matter how strong our hope for the future is, if it is based on us in some way, it is still not guaranteed. You and I cannot control the future. We're not God. Only He controls the future. And so immediately we can see that the hope that Paul is talking about is not found in our dictionaries, really. It is only in the Bible. It's a biblical hope. Because this hope Paul is talking about is a hope for the future that is guaranteed. It is a certainty. Michael often uses that word and reminds us of that. Look at verse 5. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Notice what Paul says here, that the Colossians have a hope laid up for them. It's been done for them. And it is laid up for them in the sense that it is a secure and safe hope. This is not only the Colossians' future expectation, it is a guaranteed reality. 
And that is because of what we learned in the second sermon. The second sermon taught us in verse 2 that we are now in Christ. And all the promises of God in Christ, all the promises of God about the future to us are now yes to us in Christ. Guaranteed by God himself. So when Paul talks of the future that we now have, this hope laid out for us in heaven, it is guaranteed. Our future in Christ is nailed down because it is rooted in God himself. Not in our fragile dreams and our hard work. No, it's rooted in God, the unchanging God. And more than that, I say, more than that, our future is guaranteed because it is rooted in the person and work of Jesus Christ. As the writer of Hebrews wonderfully reminds us in Hebrews 6, verse 19 to 20. You know, I learned that verse when I was a boys' brigade in Zambia, a young boy. We had to memorize Hebrews 6, and if you're really good, you go beyond Hebrews 6 and you memorize chapter 7. But let me just tell you what I... What, what, let me just read Hebrews 6, verse 19 to 20. We memorize this as boys' brigade. We have... If, if, I was a boy, if there was a boys' brigade here, I'd just say, tell me the hope of our salvation. And you recite, isn't it? We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. A hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And of course, a good boy's brigade will go into chapter 7 telling us who Melchizedek is, etc., etc., right? I have to admit I didn't really fully understand this, all of that, chapter 7 at the time. But the point here is this. The future God has in store for us is in Christ, and therefore it cannot disappoint us because it was already purchased for us. Christ has sealed our eternal future with his own blood. And he has risen from death to give us this new life. And he's now sitting at the right hand of God, isn't it? Before God, as a guarantee of our future, he has gone behind the curtain, we might even say. He sits before God as our guarantee. And so we ask immediately, isn't it? What is this great future that God has guaranteed for us in Christ? What is this hope? What is the content of it? Well, Paul summarizes it here in one word, doesn't he? Heaven. Look at verse 5 again. Because of the hope laid out for you in heaven. What is Paul getting at with this word heaven? Well, I believe Paul here is not so much thinking of the place itself, but rather our future glory in, with Christ. And I say that because that's what Paul is really getting at through the letter of Colossians. Later on in verse 27, if you glance over there, in verse 27, you notice that Paul in verse 27 powerfully connects our fixed and guaranteed hope in Christ to our future glory in Christ. That famous verse, isn't it? To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is what? Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Keep that verse, by the way, in mind. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Later on in chapter 3, it says the glory we are going to bask in when we die. We have glory now, but the glory we are going to bask in when we die and go to heaven and when we rise 
on the, sec- on the second resur- on, the, on, the, on the day of resurrection is the glory of Christ himself. Colossians chapter 3 verse 1 to 4 says this, doesn't it? If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated, where? At the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then what? Then you will also appear with him in glory. And so what this passage is teaching us is that when Paul says heaven, at the back of his mind, what Paul has in mind is the wonder, the glory, the splendor, the beauty of Christ himself. Beloved, heaven is heaven because of Christ. Christ is the high king of heaven. He is the glorious splendor of heaven. Without Christ, heaven becomes hell, doesn't it? Because he's at the center of it all. And so when we go back to verse 5 there, we see what Paul is really teaching us here is that true Christians have a guaranteed glorious future with Christ in heaven. This is our firm hope. This is our fixed hope. This is our blessed hope. We have a guaranteed future with Christ in all his holiness unchanging, self-existent, self-sufficient, in all of his all-powerful, loving, wise, and everlasting glory. We have an ironclad future when we shall be raised to a new physical life with a new glorified bodies like Christ on the day of resurrection. We have a guaranteed future, a definite future when Christ will welcome us into the new heavens and the new earth where his righteousness dwells to live with him forever. We have a watertight future, don't we? With no sin, no pain, no death. All the former things will pass away because Christ will definitely make all things new. All followers of Christ have this guaranteed hope of this Glorious future. As a matter of fact, this is no hope that depends on us. It is by definition ours because it is laid up for us in heaven by God through the blood of Jesus Christ. And because we have this hope laid up for us, all true Christians now have this inner assurance, you see, of this guaranteed future. It has been put to us because of what? Verse 27. Notice. We have this inner assurance because of verse 27. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of this glory of this mystery, which is what? Christ in you, the hope of glory. The theologians call it integrated eschatology, don't they? Heaven has come to earth in Christ. And, and there's a sense in which we test heaven now because Christ lives in us, doesn't he? The Holy Spirit now, you see, is, is in our hearts and is encouraging us, is reminding us, is giving us this assurance. It's a deposit of our guarantee, but not simply a deposit. By being the very deposit, he now assures us. He comforts us concerning his hope. 
And so the true Christian lives with this inner longing for heaven, for that future we already touch, as it were, to become even more tangible. And Paul says in, in, in 2 Corinthians 5, we groan, don't we? We groan for this. We long to spend eternity with our glorious Savior who bled and died on the cross for us. Who took the very wrath of God on himself, the wrath that we deserve. We long to gaze at the beauty of our Lord, to wonder at him who is God and man in one person. Two separate natures yet sitting in perfect unity in his body. We long to gaze on him, the darling of heaven, Christ our king, our shepherd, our brother, our prophet, our priest, our king, our loving eternal friend. The point I'm making is this. Our guaranteed hope of this glorious future is not only objective, it is also subjective. Because it is our hope. The mark of a true Christian is that he can say with Job, For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will stand upon the earth, and after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God. And because we have this inner assurance in our hearts, that we have a glorious future with Christ, it changes how we live. That future made Job persevere, didn't it? That hope Job had. That inner assurance of seeing God in the flesh. That's how he coped. Because you see, hope changes us. The thing we place our hope in always influences how we live. Hope is what gets us up in the morning, as I say, and it's what puts us to sleep comfortably at night. And the stronger our hope, the more it changes us, isn't it? That's obvious. Imagine a person who, are just, who is so broke, financially broke. They're, all, they're in all sorts of debts, and which just keeps them awake at night. And then they found out, I don't know when people buy these lottery tickets, but maybe they bought it, I don't know, on a Monday or something, right? They found out that ticket they bought on a Monday. They had put it on the fridge somewhere, and they haven't been looking at it. All of a sudden, they look at it, and they see it's now guaranteed what? A hundred million pounds. They have this ticket in hand, don't they? The numbers match. Don't play a lottery. I'm just illustrating. The numbers match. Well, it's a hundred million pounds. How is that person going to sleep at night? Well, they won't sleep. <laughs> they won't sleep. They will struggle to sleep because of excitement. Their future has changed. They're optimistic now. The stronger our hope, the more it changes us. And the true Christian has a guaranteed future that is infinitely more golden than anything else. How can it not change how we live? It does. In the here and now. And that's what Paul says here, doesn't he? The hope of the Colossians has fueled their life in Christ. We need to read from verse 3 to verse 5. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith, the faith you received 
and you're growing in, in Christ Jesus. That's what he means. And of the love that you have for all the saints. Again, the love that God has deposited and is now growing among them. What's the foundation of this? Where is this coming from? Well, verse 5. Because of the hope laid out for you in heaven. Do you see the connecting word, as they call it, for those that teach English, right? The connecting word, the because. Because it's telling us that the Colossians are growing in true faith and are growing in love, and these fruits are growing in the soil of their assured hope in Christ. Our guaranteed hope of a glorious future with Christ reminds us today is not all there is to live. When we have this hope, it reminds us that we have great glory ahead of us. Like Moses, you see, our assurance of a glorious future with Christ reminds us that it is foolish, beloved. It is foolish to swap our future for the fleeting pleasures of sin. So this hope gives us direction. It gives us direction on how to live now. It motivates us to invest in this future. To make sure we arrive in our future ready to enjoy it. I know some of you perhaps have booked your holidays for the summer, right? And when you go on that gray holiday, you're going to ensure that nothing will stop you getting there. It's been two years, right? Perhaps for some. You want to get there ready to enjoy it. You got your vaccines lined up. You have your many passports, etc., etc., and you want to make sure that things are booked out and you're ready. You're going to structure your life to get there. Because where you're going, you've been looking forward to it. Well, in the same way, you see our guaranteed glorious future in Christ motivates us to live for him as every day. Life now becomes a preparation for our meeting with Christ in glory. And here's a wonderful thing, right? As we grow in living for him, right? We begin to bear fruit for him, don't we? Right? And the amazing thing is this, as we bear more fruit for Christ, right? As we fix our hope in Christ, in that glorious future, we grow in love, we grow in faith. And you know what happens? As we grow in love and we grow in faith and other fruits, that then in turn assures us that we have the marks of true faith. And so there's a virtuous cycle you see going on there. Hope, fruit, hope. Fruit. Our assurance is just growing and growing and growing and growing. That's how Christians grow. Fueled by the hope of the gospel. And so then to summarize for you this morning. Let me just summarize this. What, we, what I'm getting at. All true Christians have a guaranteed hope of a glorious future with Christ in heaven. Because of the death of Christ for us. It is a guarantee. And because we have this guaranteed hope, all true Christians have an inner assurance in our hearts. This hope is objective, but it's also subjective. We know. We know that we belong to him and we have this glorious future. And we are longing for it. And that in turn changes how we live through that virtuous cycle I just talked about. So the question then is this. Why? What does it mean for us this morning? Here in Bexley Eat. We've heard the truth from Colossae. What does it mean for us today? What difference should this make tomorrow? Now, tomorrow, the, day, the week, next week. Well, first of all, surely 
All of us in this room need to ask ourselves this question. Is this true for me? Do I have this guaranteed hope in Christ? You have not. Do I have the marks of true faith in Christ? Does my life show I have this hope? Can you honestly say there is evidence in your heart, within you, to be with Christ? I don't just mean avoid hell. Do you have a longing to spend with one who bled and died for your sins? To bask in his splendor and glory? Well, if the answer is no, beloved, if there's no longing, then I doubt you have the fruits, the other two fruits, faith and love, because they are fueled by that love. And if you don't have these three fruits now, well, you're not a true Christian. You don't have the marks of a true Christian. You are a rebel against God, and the wrath of God is resting on yourself. It's not about being born in a Christian family. It's not about being coming to church. It's not about being a grace Baptist. It's not about being church membership. It is about the truth of God. You either have this hope or you don't. And if you don't have this hope, then you must repent or perish in hell forever. And I believe the Lord has, has helped us to look at these three marks because he's saying, come to me. Repent of your sins today. Surrender your life to Christ today. Ask me to forgive your sins, Christ is saying. Based on the death, my death, on the cross for you. Beloved, do that. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. What about those of us who are trusting in Christ. What should we do with this truth that we have a guaranteed hope that changes how we live? Well, we can be here all day, right? But I just want to give you three quick things. First of all, always the truth we hear should move our hearts to thank God. The whole point of everything is to worship Him. And so as we hear of this glorious future we have in Christ, we must worship Him. We must thank God for giving you this glorious future with Christ in heaven. You have this hope not because you deserve it. It is by his grace. It is because God chose you before the foundation of the world in eternity past to share in this hope. It is because God came in Christ to turn that choice of you into reality. Christ came, beloved, to die on the cross to guarantee this hope for you. And it's because God breathed new life into you. He gave you faith to repent of your sin and to trust in Christ. That is why you have this hope. And God has not just guaranteed this hope for you. He has ensured you have that inner insurance of this hope. You are bearing fruit of this hope. God has done all of that so you grow in assurance, isn't it? So that you would not doubt your, the love the Father has for you. So that you would live confident in this changing world, in this unsettling world. Our Father is so wise, isn't he? He's so good. 
He's so mindful of us. He knows we are weak. He knows we need this encouragement in this evil world we are living in. He knows that there are many things that make us doubt our hope in Christ. And so he has given us real tangible fruit in our lives to assure us. He's he's saying to us, as we see fruit in our lives, yes, we are struggling in many ways, but we see real fruit, the fruit of hope, of love, of faith, he's saying to us, I am working in you. Do not doubt you have a glorious future with Christ because your future, in some sense, is already here. Heaven, as I said before, has already invaded your life now. You are growing in faith. That is a test of heaven. You are showing glimpses of love, of agape in difficult circumstances. That is a test of your heavenly future. And so let us worship him for all of these things. Our guaranteed hope in Christ is a precious gift from our Father. Let us thank him. That's the first response. Let us thank him and worship him for his sure hope in Christ. Secondly, this truth that we have a guaranteed future in Christ, well, should encourage each one of us here who truly trust in Christ and are facing challenges in our life to face them with confidence in Christ. Because you are in Christ, you have hope, beloved. You have hope in your tough situation, not only because you are not alone, right? Someone number two, right? In Christ, for Christ, by Christ, as it were. Not only because of that truth, right? But because the death and resurrection of Christ has given you a guaranteed hope in your difficult situation that all that is broken will be made new forever. You can face any tough situation today knowing that you have a future that is beyond the boundaries of your wildest imaginations. Because you are in Christ, you have a guaranteed hope of a wonderful life ahead of you that not even death can defeat, beloved. Not even death can defeat. Because the death of death is in the death of Christ. Christ has defeated death already for you. So are you facing a struggle in your life this morning that has left you feeling helpless and hopeless? Helpless and hopeless, eh? Those are two words that should not be used for a believer. Because in Christ, you have the great helper. And you have hope. So then this truth remind you of that. The plan of God for your life cannot fail. So go to Christ now. Because your future is fixed, well, you can go to him now for any help you need. Ask for fresh strength to trust Christ in your situation today. The third thing. So first, worship. Second, be encouraged. I think the third is also important. Repentance. Repentance. Some of us here are indeed true followers of Jesus. But we need to repent of giving in to the temptation of placing our hope in worldly things. 
We know we have a guaranteed hope of a glorious future with Christ, and yet we are willfully betraying Christ by putting our hope in earthly things. We are living for the next job, the next standing experience, the next work achievement. We are putting our hopes in flawed and finite people. I don't just mean politicians, but many people. You are looking to relationships to hold your hand in life. People cannot be our hope. They can never be our hope. They are flawed and finite. And we already have our hope in Christ. Some of us are looking to things God has blessed us with. <laughs> Imagine. Things God has blessed us with is what we are looking to to give us a reason to get up in the morning. Sacrilege. Because these things, whatever God has given us, have no life in them. In fact, as we see in the evening, the gospel alone is a word of life. Beloved, no matter what we do in life, no matter what we own, no matter how many experiences we have, no matter how many people love us in life, None of these things compare to the guaranteed glorious hope we have in Christ. So all of us here, including myself, we have a lot of repenting to do. Individually, corporately as a church, you know you are areas in your life where you're putting hope in things that are passing away. Take a moment this morning, this afternoon. Step back. Examine your life. Repent of anything in your life that you're being tempted to place your hope in. Ask yourself, am I asking this person or that relationship or this job or this achievement or this possession or this reputation to be my hope for the future? Am I in danger at this moment of replacing my hope in Christ with this thing? In fact, this blessing, because the blessing, many of the things we place our hopes in are blessing from God. Ask the Lord to show you where you need to repent in this way. All of us need to do this. Why? Because true Christians have a guaranteed hope of a glorious future with Christ that changes how we live today. That's a big truth we learned today. We have a guaranteed hope that changes how we live now. And so if there's anything in our lives that we're allowing to compete with Christ as our guaranteed hope, well, we must repent of this thing today. Amen.